Hi students and fresh grads. In case you missed it, the new Malaysia's 100 Leading Graduate Employers or M100 survey for 2023 is out. Shape the recruitment trends in Malaysia by sharing your wants and needs in your choice of employers, company benefits, starting salaries, and more. Just visit malaysias100.com to vote. You're listening to Grad Malaysia's TMI podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Grad Malaysia's TMI podcast. Ever faced a situation in your work, studies, or personal life where you were either involved in a conflict or witnessed your friends, family, or team members in conflict of any form? Were you able to overcome that conflict in an amicable way or de-escalate it in a mature and respectable manner? If you are someone who can frequently resolve and mediate a conflict, you may have a skill for conflict resolution, which is a rare and highly respected interpersonal skill, especially for those in senior level or leadership positions. Conflict of some sort is a normal part of life and especially so in the workplace. When a large group of people with vastly different backgrounds, personalities, interests, ideologies, and work ethics are put together under the same roof, there are bound to be multiple conflicts that arise in the group. Differences in ideas, beliefs, and opinions lead to conflict when the individuals involved cannot find common ground or respect those differences. And because conflict is inevitable, it's best to prepare so we can handle ourselves when disputes arise. Kathleen Cott's 2020 study on the cost of workplace conflict showed that American businesses lose $359 billion annually due to unresolved conflict and low productivity. The physical, emotional, psychological, and interpersonal tolls of unresolved conflicts are obvious. On the other hand, Properly handling and resolving a conflict has proven to save businesses time and money, as well as improve colleague relationships, employee performance, retention rates, communication skills, and workplace culture. So it is evident that conflict resolution is a highly valuable and beneficial skill to have. It's no wonder that some recruiters love to ask us questions about our experiences with conflict during our job interviews. Like most soft skills or interpersonal skills, conflict resolution is one that you can learn and hone. Some of the traits believed to go hand-in-hand hand with effective conflict resolution are self-awareness, self-control, assertive communication, collaboration, problem-solving, patience, active listening, and empathy. When you find yourself in a conflict, say you can't agree with your team about the best way to market a new product, or you feel that your boss doesn't appreciate your hard work as much as the rest of your co-workers, you might notice a range of emotions rise within you, such as fear, anger, distrust, rejection, defensiveness, hopelessness, resentment, and stress. These are common emotions that someone in conflict would feel. But while it is normal and acceptable to feel them, trying to resolve a conflict at the height of these emotions can be a terrible idea. Accidentally yelling at your boss is sure to be a one-way ticket to a terrible performance review. 
Dealing with emotions first will help to reduce emotional arousal and stress. Once your physical and emotional state returns to normal, your rational problem-solving skills can kick back into gear. Jumping headfirst into conflict resolution in a highly emotional state can affect your ability to think creatively, which is a helpful component for conflict resolution. For this reason, you can acknowledge that the issue needs to be addressed, but wait until emotions subside before engaging in a discussion or deciding to take other steps to resolve it. In other words, scheduling your conflict, as silly as it sounds, may just be the smartest decision for you in the long run. When dealing with conflict, it is also crucial to use neutral terms and open body language. It is a natural, defensive reaction to be closed off during a conflict, but this only hinders the chance of finding a resolution and might even escalate the situation and sour your relationships. Give yourself and those you are in conflict with some time to cool off first. Then when resuming the discussion, speak in a calm tone and an agreeable manner. Use professional language if you have to, even if it may sound forced, and try to separate the other person from the problem. It is better to speak in I and we language as opposed to you language to avoid the other person feeling attacked. For example, saying, I feel undervalued in my position is a way more effective approach than saying, you don't value my work. Using you language will make you sound like you're pointing fingers and cause the other person to get defensive, which doesn't bode well at all for resolving the conflict. On top of paying attention to your words, you should also not underestimate the power of good body language and tone. Often, it is not what is being said that makes the conflict worse, but how someone is saying it. When expressing your point, do you tend to wave your hands around aggressively? or use a pointing gesture? When someone else is delivering their points, do you cross your arms and avoid eye contact with them? Or do the opposite by refusing to break eye contact and getting in their face? These can be extremely aggressive or passive-aggressive body language styles that only make you seem stubborn and thick-skinned. By using an open body language, like having a calm and relaxed posture and tone, and using open gestures with your arms and hands, it signifies your willingness to resolve the conflict and reach an agreement. You're not just faking a positive demeanor externally either, because by being aware of and actively adopting an open body language, you instantly trigger a mental response that makes your mind more open to new perspectives and suggestions as well. People tend to mimic those around them, so this can also help to elicit a calm, open demeanor from anyone else involved in the conflict. Every conflict has sides. When we only choose to see ours or hear one side of the story, blindly defending this side of the conflict or picking sides can lead to devastating results. Before deciding how to resolve a conflict, make sure to listen carefully to what the other party has to say too. Carefully listening is one of the best ways to handle conflict as it allows you to validate others' ideas and let them know that they are being heard and respected as well regardless of whether you agree with them or not. It is important to ensure that all parties in the conflict feel respected and that we don't lean too heavily on one individual's side in the process. Be sure to have all the facts before making any decisions to resolve a conflict as well. 
Clarify the points first, taking into consideration each person's different perspectives. For instance, if a conflict arises while the team is deciding how to solve a problem, try to identify what each team member perceives as the problem. Different perspectives on the same problem might just be what's causing everyone to consider different solutions. You can't exactly reach the end goal if everyone's idea of the end goal is different. So let everyone present their ideas without interruption so that you can gather all the relevant facts that you need to make an informed decision. What if these seemingly opposing ideas can be combined for a more effective outcome or meeting in the middle so that both parties are satisfied? You'd never really know it unless everyone learns to put aside their egos and listen carefully to each other. Part of being able to listen carefully is being able to understand and accept others' ideas. Remember that you might not always be right and that your idea might not necessarily be the best. It also may not hurt to try another person's suggestion, especially if they are someone who might be more experienced on the subject or are trying to bring fresh ideas to the table. If at all their idea is truly unacceptable, explain the reasons why that is the case in a calm, gentle, and respectful way. Verbally address that while their suggestions are heard and valued, it may not be the best solution for the time being, or suggest to maybe put a pin in it for another time. If you're struggling to reach a solution or having trouble making a team decision, bringing in a superior or HR who is trained to mediate a conflict or asking them to act as a tiebreaker can also be a viable solution. However, if there is a conflict between two of your co-workers and you are not really in the position to be responsible for it, it's best to just not get involved and be impartial to it without explicitly picking sides to save you from getting sucked into the conflict. Sometimes, it's best to just let them work it out for themselves or let the superiors with proper training handle the conflict. In the episode, Science of Productive Conflict, from the Work Life with Adam Grant podcast, we learned that there can be multiple types of conflict. A task conflict is disagreeing about a problem, the solution, or the decision, which can be both necessary and productive. A relationship conflict is fighting about differences in personalities or values, which can be unnecessary and destructive. Corinne Bendersky who is an expert on conflict at UCLA and a conflict mediator, introduced a new type of conflict, which is status conflict. It's about who's in charge, who gets to decide what should happen in this situation. According to Kareen, the first important step in reducing status conflict is to have more clarity on the roles. Roles can be different from formal titles, so it is important to identify what roles we are contributing to a group. She recommends that new project managers do a kickoff meeting where there's explicit discussion of skills and responsibilities. What value are they bringing? What are their expertise and resources? What can they contribute to the team that will enable the team to achieve its collective goals? If all parties know and understand what each person brings to the table, you're much less likely to interact in a way that makes another feel disrespected. Another step is to establish and engage each other respectfully. Make it clear that you value the other person by literally saying it out loud. Like, 
I admire your expertise on this topic. Or, I appreciate your hard work on this task. As mentioned earlier, respect is also an attitude shown through specific behaviours, such as how you look at the other person, how you listen, your tone of voice, and choice of words. Listen wholeheartedly to experience their side of the argument. The goal of listening in this manner is to understand the content of the other person's ideas or contributions, what it means for them, and their feelings about it. Empathy can play a big role in taking in and trying to understand the other party's perspective as well. Assertive communication also works well in this stage, although some caveats accompany the stage of conflict resolution, such as your statement brief, avoiding loaded words, being truthful and concise, and disclosing your honest feelings. Studies show that women tend to be less assertive and more prone to avoid conflict when faced with it at the workplace, for fear of being seen as too aggressive. However, if you know that your points and contributions are valid, you should not fear defending your ideas and standing up for yourself. Sometimes, taking yourselves out of the stressful or monitored environment can help to ease tensions around the conflict. Now, I'm not saying you should tell them to cash you outside, but to move away from your co-workers' eyes and ears. Airing out grievances in public or criticizing someone in front of everyone else is a terrible way to deal with the workplace conflict. To have a constructive conversation, you need to find an environment that is safe for both parties to talk openly. Such a place also enables you to take the necessary risks for honest communication regarding the issues at hand. If you're mediating a conflict, let each party have the opportunity to air out their views and perceptions. Give each of them equal time to express their thoughts and concerns without favoring the other and embracing a positive and assertive approach during the meeting. Choosing this approach will encourage all parties involved to articulate thoughts in an open and honest manner as well as approach a joint discussion later to reassess the conflict and identify the solutions. Determine ways to meet the common goal, which is resolving the issue and ensuring it does not resurface. Listen, communicate and brainstorm together until you've exhausted all possible options. Employees will find it easy to interact with one another when they understand that they have one goal in the client's or company's best interest. And to agree on the best, you need to identify the solutions which each person can accept and live with, even if some of you have to compromise or agree on a common ground. In terms of a relationship or status conflict, it is also crucial to use this chance to identify the root cause and ensure the issue will not come about again or can be resolved at a much earlier stage. Of course, not all problems can just be accepted or solved through the compromise. When the conflict comes down to issues like workload, working hours, or dealing with incompetent co-workers, other measures have to be considered to solve them. In terms of workload and working hours, it's important to establish healthy boundaries with your colleagues and supervisors at work. With constant conference calls, messages, and emails, flexible working hours and ever-changing workplaces, it can seem difficult at times to figure out where you draw your boundaries. 
but being able to do so is crucial to maintaining a good work-life balance and ensuring you aren't being taken advantage of. This is also a solution that you have to approach with an open body language, polite tone, and the right choice of words, so you don't come across like you're demanding, rejecting your responsibilities, or complaining. Setting clear boundaries also ensures that your relationships at work don't become all-consuming. This enables you to protect your happiness and well-being while feeling respected and being able to balance your work and personal life equally. For example, if your co-worker constantly calls you on the weekends for work, even though you're not contractually obligated to work on weekends, let them know politely that it is not office hours and that you'll attend to their request first thing on Monday. Remember that nothing counts unless it is in black and white in terms of your responsibilities, working hours, and what is owed to you. As discussed in our Bad Job Experiences episode, an internship or employment contract is a legally binding agreement with the organization to define the terms of your employment and ensure that both parties are on the same page. Be sure to file this document and the employee handbook if you were provided one somewhere safe because it shows what you're entitled to. If anything happens to you in terms of work, this agreement serves as proof to back you up in your argument, given that the relevant terms are stated in it. When clear boundaries are set, but a co-worker will not leave you alone, and it's making you uncomfortable, it's time to talk to HR or other superiors about their behavior, because what you're experiencing could be workplace harassment. Workplace harassment can take many forms, from indirect discrimination to outright bullying. It may also be sexually motivated, which happens more frequently to female staff. Keep in mind that all types of workplace harassment are illegal, and not only will it affect an employee's productivity, comfort, and safety at work, it could also put the organization in legal jeopardy. So, if you witness a crime or experience harassment in the workplace, even as an intern, Do consider reporting it if you feel that you can do it safely. Here's what you can do. Try to resolve the issue with the harasser in a calm manner by speaking to them in a private setting and letting them know that you find the behavior uncomfortable and would appreciate a change. If someone else is being harassed, step in casually or directly to remove them from the situation. However, if the abuse is physical, do not approach the harasser. If their behavior continues, consider escalating the issue to your immediate managers, unless, of course, your manager is the perpetrator. If your attempts to resolve the issue with the harasser fails, bring the issue to the attention of HR or other superiors. If you can, provide as much evidence as possible, such as screenshots, text messages, and eyewitness accounts. When all else fails, you can choose to leave the company Or if you feel that the harasser must leave in order to protect other potential victims, you can file a complaint to the Industrial Court Malaysia, which can investigate the incident impartially. As an intern, you are protected by the Employment Act 1955. Or you can get help from your university to help you out or remove you from that environment. If you are unsure whether discrimination is taking place, and you feel that you have the ability to communicate with the parties involved, it is highly recommended that you do it privately. Do note that sometimes a misunderstanding can be seen as aggression, especially by outsiders. However, if it is confirmed that some type of harassment is taking place, always do your best to speak up for or support your colleagues who are being discriminated against 
as they bring it to the management level for the right actions to be taken against the perpetrators. The key takeaway for dealing with conflict in your workplace is to approach it as calmly and patiently as you can and not let your emotions and ego get the best of you. Humility, open-mindedness and the ability to see the bigger picture can be very grounding traits to have when approaching conflict resolution. Being able to successfully apply your conflict resolution skills in the workplace can increase your confidence, promoting the likelihood of future successes and a positive approach to your work too. Simply agreeing to disagree isn't always going to work, and in most cases, no one is ever in agreement at all. What's more important is to agree to disagree respectfully and focus on the greater good of your project or company. So, next time you're updating your resume or LinkedIn profile, consider if you have enough knowledge and experience in dealing with conflicts and how you can pitch it as a high-value skill during your next job interview. Thanks for listening. And I hope to catch you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Grad Malaysia's TMI podcast. Don't forget to check out our website, gradmalaysia.com, for more career guide articles and ebooks, as well as new job and internship openings. Follow us on social media too for even more career tips and fun content. That's G R A D M A L A Y S I A.